Taylor Walker from the Abbey Crows, and you're listening to the Coaches Panel. Shannon Hearn from the West Coast Eagles. This is Nathan Jones from the Melbourne Football Club. Phil Davis from the GRS Giants. It's Brad Ebert from the Port Adelaide Football Club, and you're listening to the Coaches Panel. It's here, the day you've all been waiting for, and if you've been following us along on the 50 Most Relevant, you've probably been waiting for this player to be revealed, knowing he'd be really high in the countdown. Maybe you called it this far out. The number one player who I believe is the most relevant player in Supercoach, Dream Team, and AFL Fantasy for 2019. One P. Dangerfield to talk, Patrick. I got Rids back on after about a week we had you last on, mate. I thought I'd bring you back for the last one of the preseason. Hello, buddy. How are you? And I'm on for the number one. Yes. How good's that? Mate, let, let's talk about Patrick Dangerfield because Christmas came early for fantasy coaches last year when Champion Data said, yep, you know what? Have him as a forward. Have him as a dual position mid forward as well. Christmas came early this year. Yep, it sure did. Like, I mean, I expected him to get it, but I also expected two other names to get it as well in Bontepelli and Dusty. So when I heard they weren't getting it, I was a little bit worried. But, yeah, no, he got it. He got it. We're happy about that too. Still 28 years old and very much in the prime of his footballing lifetime. And his best scores last year, yes, he's a mid-forward, if you haven't heard the news, his best scores came against the Gold Coast Suns across all formats. It was a 158 in Dream Team and Fantasy, uh, what was considered a down year for Patrick. It was a 106.3 in AFL Fantasy. He's going to set you back in that format. 771,000, while uh, just under that at 760,900 in Dream Team. For Supercoach, yeah, he ended the year with a bang, didn't he? A 187 against the Suns. That's off a seasonal average of 121.6. And Rids, it's kind of crazy to say that 121 in Supercoach is what would be considered a down year. But based on the two years prior from Patrick Dangerfield, he fell back to the pack a bit, didn't he? Yeah, he sure did. And I blame Chris Scott. Yeah. Look, let's think about how he came back into the start of the year. Um, Again, everyone was likely to start Patrick Dangerfield across all their salary cap formats, just like they had the two years prior at Geelong. But then he went down with a hamstring injury in the JLT Community Series. And as such, he actually ended up missing the opening game of the year, something that's pretty rare for Patrick because outside of last year, 21 games, 22 games in his first season at Geelong, you've actually got to go back to the year 2010 for when he didn't play 20 games or less. So seeing Dangerfield get injured was such a rarity for us, but that didn't impact his ability to still land himself at sixth All-Australian honours and uh, land top two in the Cats' best and fairest. Uh, We saw Dangerfield... Some of his best last year, still dominant in the midfield, that explosive burst away from power, that ability uh, to use skills of the left and the right-hand side of his body. 28 disposals was his average last year per game. Eight score involvements, five tackles, five inside 50s a game. Plenty of contested pill in that as well. Uh, It was just, while being a down year, still a very strong fantasy football year from Patrick Dangerfield. It's crazy, isn't it? He averaged 28 disposals in a down year. Yeah. That's nuts. Yeah, 15 AFL fantasy tons, um, four of them over 120, 19 super coach tons, nine of them over 120. We're talking about a down year and a dude that only had two games where he didn't turn up in super coach all year. Yeah, in super coach as well, eight of those 
scores were over 130. Yeah. Like, I mean, the guy's just an absolute superstar. So, like, there's no surprise to me that he's the number one player this year with that DPP. But what we're actually getting him at value, MJ. Yeah, we are, because what we saw last year is Geelong, with the inclusion of Gary Ablett into that midfield, it almost threw the balance of their midfield structure up, which they got pretty right towards the end of 2017 with the Selwood boys, with Duncan and with Patrick as their predominant big four or five. They started to use him a lot more forward, whether it be to build him into the games or to support Tom Hawkins out as a goal-scoring avenue. Um, They started to use him more not just as a resting forward, where he's been damaging as a cat previously in his later career at the Crows, but they started to base him there. And as such, we started to see some of that fantasy ceiling dent back on what we'd done last year. Like we said, 15 AFL fantasy tons this year, but just the four over 120. Supercoach, 19 tons, but just the nine over 120. The reason I say just the is because if you look back at his 2017 year, where he rested forward, not stayed forward, except for a couple of games, a la the Hawthorne game where he got injured. In 2017, he had 18 tons from his 21 games in Fantasy and Dream Team and 10 scores over 120 in a seasonal average of 120. Supercoach, 19 tons, 16 of them over 120 and an average of 136. So what we lost out on him last year was more forward time and as such, still a very good fantasy player, but just not those big 120 captaincy scores we expected. And let's cut to the chase now. So in the last couple of weeks, we've had Gary Ablett come out and say he's going to play as a forward. We've had Joel Selwood come out and say he's going to play as a half back, And we've had Chris Scott come out and say, hey, I'm going to play danger as a pure mid. It's tick, tick, tick. If there was any doubt of starting him prior to it, it's as if Geelong have just gone, we just want to lock him nice and securely at the number one spot in the top 50. Yeah, I think you've got contacts down there, do you? Um, like, I, I mean, maybe you you were, might have been up in an iron about him and whoever else for number one, and you were, you know, then you just phoned them up, got the arm info, and uh, away he went. Yeah, so we all know that's not true. <laughs> if he's number one, like, I mean, the thing is, if he wasn't number one before those comments, he is a clear number one since. And he's having, so, I know the phrase of best preseason ever is like a fantasy bingo that we get every year, but he has dropped a handful of kegs running personal best times in the time trials. And you actually, if you watch some of the footage of him in preseason, some of the photos, dude, if there was any other reason to pass him, it's just he looks phenomenal. He's running best times. He's built off some of that kind of excess weight that's going to give him that ability to have even greater endurance in the game. Still got that upper body strength to burst through um, the stoppages as well as when he does rest forward to take those big marks. There's just so many reasons to start Patrick Dangerfield. And then you're right. You throw in these positional changes that he's got as a forward. Selwood and Ablett moving out a little bit more out of the midfield unit. Danger back in. Can you give me a reason not to start him? I can, but I'm going to give you a reason why extra to start him at the moment. And that's because what I mentioned with Josh Kelly, um, what was it, 10 days ago or so? Yeah, he was number 10, yep. Rolling lockout, mate. Like, DC loopholes. If Patrick Dangerfield isn't in your top two options as a pure mid across all the formats, like, you know, you've gone nuts. Like... (laughs) So, I mean, you could very easily have a VC on him if he plays early and then fall back on someone else. Or if someone else that you've fancied before him, 
you can fall back on danger and get a nice, safe 120-plus. That's absolutely the way to go, you know? I certainly so, agree. Well, let's talk about you know question. some of the vice-captaincy loopholes because I do want to answer you the question. Uh, they play the opening game on Friday night against the Pies in round one. Round three, they play the Thursday night game against the Crows. And then yep. round four, they play the first game on Saturday uh, against GWS. So you're right. He, he's the guy that you either choose to use as the loophole to open up your opportunities, or if for whatever reason, your Crips, your Olivers, your Kellys, um, maybe your Sicily, you've gone crazy on your Dusty, whatever it is, don't work out the way you want. You can use him at the other end to, to be the safe hundred. Okay. Now, you asked me why... You know why I give me a reason why you can't start him, or why you don't. I am clutching at straws, MJ, (laughs) but I'm going to give you a reason. Okay, round one, Collingwood. There's a guy called Levi Greenwood who has a pretty good record against big-bodied midfielders. If he tags them, round two is Melbourne and James Harms. I'm yeah. clutching at straw. Yeah, yeah, it is. Because, you know, even when he does get tagged, it just stops him from going 130 that goes to a 110. Yes, exactly. And if he plays pure mid, he's untaggable anyway. Yeah. Let's, you asked me for a reason, I know. so I'm going to tell you it. Highest point of your magic number, your highest point of your price tag is in the first three rounds. So you'd be looking at a price drop. If he can get... Let's just say a harms can keep him to an 80 across the format. Yeah, sure. You may very well get him for 50000 cheaper by round four or five. If you can afford him. Yeah. Well, yeah. But, again, you asked me. Yeah, I, I, look, I asked you. I realise there's not a lot of conviction behind that. Um, is, there a, is there any other forward in any of the formats you genuinely feel like could compete with him for the number one mantle? No. Oh, that was quick. Well, I don't have to think about it, no. Well, that's fair enough. Patrick Dangerfield, if I said to you Patrick Dangerfield was the number one average player for DT Supercoach AFL Fantasy in 2019, would you be surprised? I would be surprised if someone was really bullish arguing the other way. So I've got him at 100... Mate, he had a down year last year. I know. 120. In Supercoach, super I know. Coach. He's going 130 this year if he's playing as a mid. Yeah, exactly. Like, I don't think there's anyone else in the comp that can do that. Uh, like, no, there's not. And the only guy that can do that in, like, Dream Team that could match him at his pure best is out injured for the year. Yeah, it's true. Like, yeah. I mean, besides a Grundy or a Gorn who had massive years, like... I just, I just don't see it. So I think there could actually be a 15, 20-point difference between first and second wow. in some of these. Yeah, it's like, if huge. he scores, if he averages 130, okay, in Supercoach, I mean, who's number two in the forwards in Supercoach? Like, I mean, let's say, let's, let's be argumentative and say, I don't know, Isaac Heaney, sure. Robbie Gray, Going Tom Hawkins, Westoff. What are they, 110? If, if that, yeah. Heaney, if he goes full midfield, maybe could do that. 20 points, that is. And I can easily foresee that. Yeah, no, look, I I find it really difficult, um, really unnerving. And I know sometimes it's good to go against the popular option and try to take them on head on. But sometimes it's just a little bit of madness to go, oh, I'm going to go against danger. 
you're not going to win the competitions, okay, or your leagues or whatever in the first three or four rounds. No. But what you can do is lose them. You can knock yourself out of contention real quick. If 65% of the comp has Patrick Dangerfield as their number one forward, okay, and you're sitting there going, hmm, how am I going to bring him in? How am I going to find the 300,000? You know, you're in a world of trouble. Yeah, I know you can argue it the other way too. It means like I'm with the 20% that, you know, he gets injured. I go, yeah, but then any unique opportunity you had in the forward line, 60% of the competition are going going rush if he does get injured and is out for a long period of time. So any advantage you have is for a week, if that. But I've said this many times, okay, across many years. It's a risk versus reward. Mm. When does that risk become too much the other way. Correct. But if his ownership is 60%, okay, across the format, let's just say hypothetically, Rodeo, does that mean the 40% are riskier than the 60%? So starting him is more safe than not, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So if he goes even higher than that, and I mean, I think there's every chance, you know, this guy could be in 70% of starting teams. The only reason why you don't like this guy, like, is an AFL fantasy potentially where the price might drop and you're looking at that round one and two con. But that's the only reason why you don't start him is you're thinking, okay, let's look at another forward that might, um, let's say, that might outscore him or score just as well. as Dunkley, let's pick a name out of the hat. You know, Dunkley, for example. Well, I was even thinking more value. let's, Let's say... You plan your AFL fantasy, okay, and then put the money in aside and go a danger field to a Toby Green, for sure. instance, okay? Oh, no, let's go Jack Billings. Yeah, Billings okay, is good because he's got a good early draw. Gold Coast round one. Yeah, correct, okay, who's got a good early draw. And you go, okay, fair enough. Well, what I'll do then is after round two, I'll use that cash and go Billings back to Dangerfield. Sure. Potentially that works, Rodeo, and you might have a swing of, say, Twenty or thirty thousand each way. He might drop. Billings might go up a little bit. So you might end up eighty thousand better off in your pocket. You know, that's probably the only format you're genuinely considering it. I mean, super coach in dream team. It's just start him and save the pain. It's correct. He's just if seventy percent of people are already there. Why worry about how you're going to get him? And why worry every week? I mean, your season could be over by round three. Yeah. And you're sitting there feeling sick in the guts because you don't have the number one player in the comp. Yeah, no, I think even in any other single line, I could build a case to say there's somebody else that I could feel like I could take them on. I feel like there's someone I could find a way to take on Rory Laird. I feel like there's someone I I could good that would take on a McRae. Gosh, even a Grundy. I, I feel like I, I'd be able to make a compelling reason. Dangerfield in all formats, I feel really uneasy and sick going. I'm going to take him on here. Especially with all those other comments, you know, in the last couple of yeah. weeks about Ablett moving out of the midfield and Selwood moving out of the midfield and Dangerfield being played in the midfield. I mean, they might be mind games, yes. Like, but we saw Dangerfield win back his forward status last year and still average 106 in Dream Team and 120 in Supercoach. In a down year, that, yeah. That, like, you know, and... If he does play forward, okay, against the Greenwoods and the Harms, they're not going to him. He'll destroy him. Okay, they're not going to be tagging him. Mm-mm. So, so yeah, I'm just, I'm, I, I can't come up with a really, really no. 
solid reason why you wouldn't start him. And to be honest with you, I actually fear teams that don't start him. I love being as you know, I love being left at you know, left of centre. I love going a good unique or sure. a good point of difference if that makes sense. Yes. But I cannot make one case for not starting him. No, I I think at worst he matches what he did this year. That's at yeah, worst. And- and you know what I'm like. I mean, I've gone without the swans and stuff in years gone by, you know. Sure. I've, You know, I know a guy who started last year, okay, who came top 10 in Dream Team, okay, and didn't start Rory Laird. Yep. Like, so there's no worries about that. But yet, I fear for danger because of the rolling lockout, yep. the six by six by six, even if he starts forward. He's going to be one-on-one, MJ. Yeah, I know Duncan getting that ball out of there. Ablett getting the ball out of there. I know their clearance numbers are a bit low as a club, but, yeah. I, Kelly. I, oh, my goodness. You know, Parfit, Cockatoo. Like, yeah, just start him, everybody. Field, one-on-one oh. in the back, in the forward line. Just like, save the pain. That's your worst-case scenario. And then on top of that, okay, the new rules, are, like, they just favour him. Everything. Just pick Dangerfield. We could sum up the 17 minutes in two words. Pick Dangerfield. Just, just and do it. He's running better than ever. Yeah, just, no. Look, just pick Dangerfield. Just, just save yourself a headache and heartburn. Yeah. Like, don't, don't destroy your season over. Just trying to be unique. Be unique. Find another place to be unique. Don't do it with Danger. Find another place. You know, like, don't start like you know a McRae. Yeah, don't, don't start, start a lead. Yeah. Don't start a Gorn. Yeah. You know, where you can perfect. actually come up with these like feasible, solid reasons why not to start him. Exactly. But not dangerous. Don't not like just for the sake of being unique is madness. Yeah. Unless you're in a cash league or something like that and you just don't care about your ranking, you don't care about anything else, even then I'd start him. I'd start him too. Don't throw away your fifty bucks. Um yeah. don't do that. But yeah. All right, let's talk so, drafts because I no, feel like let's not because he's not the in the top two options across the four. Like he has to go number he, one in Supercoach, doesn't he? Well, it's I can only see him and Grundy across all the formats. Is there anyone else uh, in Supercoach? They're the easy two picks. I, I know the popular top three um, in fantasy and dream team is in varying orders: Grundy, um, McRae, and Dangerfield. But personally, for me. If I had the number one pick in any draft, I'm picking Dangerfield. Well, I mean, I can make a real viable case for Grundy. Yes, you can, and it's and it's a good and it's compelling. I just don't think like I think there's a fair chance. Okay, there's a good chance that Dangerfield's a good ten, fifteen points better than the next forward. Yeah, I think so too. Grundy potentially could, I could argue the fact that he's going to be 10 or 15 points better than the next ruck. Yes. I don't think I can argue that with McRae. And that's why they're the top two picks. And that's why I have them one and two. Um, If your number one forward is beating an opposition's number one forward by 25 points, 30 points regularly every single week, in a draft league, like that's just that's absolute pure gold. Yeah, it's a great win. Let's talk keeper leagues. He'll go in a similar spot. If you're in a brand new keeper league, he'll go in a similar spot. So let's talk about one that's already going. 
how do you get him out of the hands of an existing coach? Because he won't be a forward forever. He will go back to a midfield status if he plays the role we expect. What do you got to do to get him out of the hands of someone this year? You've got to give up a lot. Are we talking someone like the Zach Merritt territory? Or more? Well, potentially more. Yeah. Right, potentially more. So you only do it, okay, if you're really, really deep in one of the lines. So if you're deep in the midfield, okay, and you're expecting Dangerfield to replace the guy you're trading next year because he's going to be pure mid only, mm. and you're in contention this year. Yeah. That's the only reason why you trade for him. Yep. Totally agree. The only reason. Yeah, and if you own him already... You you make you the coach you just hold it you make the coach bleed to get rid of him if like you, well not even that what I would do is I'd hold him until you no longer in contention then sure move him on and then I'll trade him yeah because then you're moving him on as a 110, 120, 130 forward and uh, you're going to get him next year as at a mid but yeah totally well, agree yeah come round 15, 16, 17 you'll be surprised what someone in contention will pay yeah a lot that's for sure. Hey, mate, uh, yep. appreciate having you on not just this podcast, but a uh, number of podcasts right throughout the 50 Most Relevant. And congrats and great work to you, MJ. That's been a huge effort once again. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. Thank you to every single person uh, that contributed on the podcast of the 50 Most Relevant. So many names. I'm not going to say them all because I will forget someone, and that is just really poor form for me. So for those of you who contributed on the podcast, creating some incredible content over the past 50 days you've been able to consume, thank you so much for the time, the energy, the effort, the resource that you've been able to pour in. Thank you to you for listening to these podcasts every day, for reading reading the articles at coachespanel.tv for giving five-star ratings and reviews. Appreciate it. A big thanks, uh, a massive shout-out to every single one of our Patreons uh, for helping the Coaches Panel continue to do what we do uh, week in, week out. The most recent Patreon, uh, Martin, we thank you, mate, uh, for just jumping on board. You can do that too with the links at coachespanel.tv. The good news is there is still plenty more articles and podcasts to come right throughout the preseason. And we cannot wait to do season 2019 with you.